A Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Cecilia, I have a question for you. Oh, go First on. of all, hi. Um... Have you ever felt like you were an observer of your own life? Oh, yeah. I have. What sort of situation? Because, all right, let's just cut to the chase. This episode is actually about imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about this before. Do you know I was like, m- what in the world are we talking about? Like, <laughs> Do you know how much I love you? I love that you, <laughs> you're just this machine in my life that just powers on through. And I I just think, you know, I wish I had just an ounce of, of Nat Kringudisness sometimes. All right, but in my are. defence, there's plenty of things I suck at, but I guess... <laughs> self-doubt isn't one of them. So that's good. This is no, good. I do have self-doubt. I guess, but I kind of just power on through. I just move. I just go to the next thing. But I like like, that about you. Go no, okay, that didn't work. Let's try this. Let's try that. that. I'm just like "Mm, no. But sometimes it can take a while to work out something hasn't worked. Recently, I had a situation where Mm. um, I are you just slowing the uptake? Is that what you're saying? No, I don't know. No, no. So (laughs) I had had this quite an awful experience, and I spent a lot of energy. Trying to get to the bottom of it. And then I just had this epiphany that I'd spent way too much energy on it. Mm-hmm. And perhaps if I had a focused on what I could gain in other areas rather than focusing on what I'd lost over in, the, in this other space, mm. I could have actually been streets Better ahead. Off. Mm. Yeah. And so it's retrospect. just having, well, it is retrospect, but I guess you've got to get to that moment of going, um, what am I doing? Yep. Um, but no, but I truly don't really resonate with the idea of imposter syndrome. but I do. So imposter syndrome is this idea that you go about what you're doing and it's generally a professional thing. So you're doing your job and uh, you feel like at some point in time someone's going to tap you on the shoulder and go, actually, you know what? You're not qualified for this. You're hopeless at that. And you've been pretending all this time and we know. But the truth (laughs) of the matter is... That's not going to happen because you are working your bum off in whatever that profession is. And it happens to surgeons, it happens to professionals in all kinds of like high-powered situations. And it is a really, really common thing. So we went looking for someone who could help us understand this phenomenon a little bit better, or actually a lot better. And this is the wonderful woman we found. Hi, I'm Suzanne Mercier. I'm the founder and CEO of a business called Purpose to Profit. Now, the reason that we have invited you to come and join us for the Wellness Collective this episode is to talk about this idea of imposter syndrome. Now, uh, we've already done a few interviews with some just regular folks who were quite happy to put their hand up and say, yeah, I want to talk about this because this is my experience. I actually think it's quite widespread. So can you Very. start by telling us what is imposter syndrome or phenomenon? What are we? What's the actual correct term for it too? Um, I think in America, in the academic environment, it was called imposter phenomenon. I think the, the rest of us um, on an everyday basis call it the imposter syndrome. It's, it's the feeling, the persistent feeling of not being good enough. It's the feeling that even though I have objective measures of my success, I don't get it. I don't believe it. I think I've just been incredibly lucky. I think that um, I, I've been in the right place at the right time. Somebody's looking at me and seeing something that's just not there. That whole thing that, that runs through our head unconsciously, but which causes us to feel that we're just not good enough. We just don't measure up. I call it a case of mistaken identity because in most cases it's not true. 
it's it's simply a perception that becomes in some ways a self-fulfilling prophecy because we believe that we're not good enough. We might pull back from opportunities or sabotage them. Um, we get the result that says, I didn't get the outcome that I was looking for, therefore I'm not good enough. So we just keep repeating that process and it becomes a habit. Uh, so it's about breaking it. Mm. Is it because we just set unrealistic expectations for ourselves and then we're left feeling like we just never meet them? That's certainly part of it. I think one of the prevailing characteristics of it is that perfection thing, that we should be perfect. Um, that and, and what we do is instead of looking at how well we've done and looking at all that we've achieved and the progress that we've made, what we do is we look at the difference between what we've achieved and, and this idea of, um, of perfection, which we can't even describe. We don't know what it looks like. Um, and then we focus on that gap and, and, and deny our success. It's, very, it's a tough one to live with. I would have to say in the clinic, I do ask patients this question, are you a perfectionist? Because when it comes to health and especially hormone health, I find it's probably the biggest factor and the hardest to actually deal with. And I, I see a common pattern with women who are having trouble conceiving that they will absolutely say, yes, I am a perfectionist. It's common. It's, it'd be a yeah. common theme. And I think it's, again, because they never, and this is something that's out of their control and it's not perfect and they don't know how to make it perfect, but then the stress is about making everything else perfect. So it becomes this situation where there's a lot of pressure that we put upon ourselves. And I come from a long line of perfectionists, <laughs> but I am Me actually too. not a perfectionist. <laughs> oh. and so it's really interesting. I'm very... Near enough is good enough unless you want me to pack a suitcase and I turn into, my, my husband says, kids, let mum pack, we're clearing out. I do. I turn into some, I actually have to psych myself up and sort of make sure that that doesn't happen. I turn into a, a devil. You're a psycho when it comes to a suitcase. I'm a, wow. <laughs> but, but it's really interesting though. I think it's important to talk about this idea of being a perfectionist because and you can spot people like that a mile mm, away. Mm. Yeah. Are you a perfectionist, Cecilia? Oh, God, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. You know I'm not a perfectionist, no. but I do certainly come from my, my sister and my mum are meticulous. That's an interesting point of view about being a perfectionist and wanting to be able to control things. I think a lot of people have this thing about control in their life too. Mm. They're scared to to let that go because what happens if you've lost control being open to what can happen is is a frightening, frightening place to be. Like I say, I'm not a perfectionist. There's certain things in my life that if I don't do them perfectly, I'm very disappointed with myself and I think it's probably a work thing more than... It's contextual. Yeah, yeah. it's contextual. Mm. You know how you said though, and this is just Sorry, we'll slightly off topic, with, you know, but I think it's really, really important to talk about <laughs> is that you're talking about letting go and how hard it is to let go and we all can relate to this, but... If you think about every time that you actually have let go, that's actually where the magic happens. <laughs> and I see this with patients all the time. Same thing, trying to fall pregnant, can't fall pregnant. They're perfectionists. Everything has to be perfect. They're not falling pregnant. The minute they surrender to that is when they fall pregnant. Suzanne, did you go through this personally? Is that why you decided to help other people to combat this particular vice is it advice? I don't know. It's a horrible situation. <laughs> <laughs> it's not much fun. Uh, yes, I did. I actually, I probably had experienced it for a lot of my career, but it hit me when I looked back on one particular situation and I had been um, appointed to work at George Pat's Advertising after working in fast-moving consumer goods marketing. 
And I thought it was the glamorous side of the industry, but it took me a lot longer to let go of the level of detail that I had to know as a marketing person to embrace the, um, I guess, the the insight that that is a 30-second commercial is wrapped around. So it, it took me a long time to figure that out. And I remember at the end of the first 12 months, I was um, invited into an event and one of the directors said to me, Suzanne, how do you think you're going? And I said, well, actually, I'm not sure. And he said, no. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> so for me, I went back to the drawing board and worked like crazy for the next 12 months. And at the end of 12 months, I got a telephone call from the managing director at the time, a guy called Alex Hamill, who, if, if you're involved in the industry, people know quite well. And it was from his um, EA and she called me up to his office now. So I walked up the stairs and all I could think was that I was about to be fired. And, um, you know, I was trying to compose my face so I didn't look, you know, one of the worst fears, I guess, that many women have is, is being emotional in the workplace. Uh, and I got into his office and he was on the phone. When he got off the phone, he turned around and he said, congratulations. And I was appointed the first woman on the board of George Pat's Advertising. And what was fascinating for me was the significant difference between the way that I saw myself and the way that the people who made the decision saw me. Uh, and with hindsight, I realised that was the imposter syndrome. So then I've been working for the last 13 years helping people recognise it and move past it and, and deal with that uncertainty that you were talking about before, which brings up that need for control. That's really um, interesting, actually. I don't know if you're familiar with the work of a woman by the name of Sally Hogshead, and she talks about I've how to fascinate. Heard. So she talks about how, oh, yes, yes, I yeah, have, how to yes. fascinate. So she talks about how to embody how other people see you and work mm -hmm. out what that is. So she helps you to determine mm. what other people see in you that you can't see wow. and how to play to that and play to that mm. as a strength. Because like you said, we don't know what we don't know. But once we do know that, it's a little bit like when I worked out that obviously I do travel a lot back and forth to the US and I worked out that I could really use my accent to my advantage. <laughs> you can get, if you really want to turn that on. I mean, how often do I use the word mate with you? Never. Never. But you use it over there all the time and it's like a magnet. Yeah, it's like, right. oh yeah, give her what she wants because she sounds funny. <laughs> I think though this idea though that all of us walk around having zero idea of what the rest of the world really thinks of us, you know, the way we're perceived and we all have someone in our life that does things that seem to be self-sabotaging or, you know, that you can look at and go, if only you would just change this tiny mm. thing in your life, then I could see that it would open up all these opportunities. And But none of us are aware of that. Well, they're called blind spots for a reason. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and we can see everybody else's. Is it also something that women tend to suffer from more than men? We all have blind spots. I think it's like anything, it's what you do with it. And um, I think that men are raised very differently to women. I don't know how this is going to be happening in future generations, but certainly so far, um, you know, men are raised, they're, they're taught very early, that whole fake it till they make it concept, which they're quite comfortable with. And, uh, and I think for a lot of women, that feels very inauthentic. Uh, so I think women are more likely to uh, acknowledge their blind spots or to want to deal with things and to grow. So I've seen, I've seen videos of people being interviewed, um, a guy being interviewed by a manager and, and a woman being interviewed by the same manager. The guy stuffed up uh, and he said it was everybody else's fault and he got a, um, a salary increase. Um, the woman said, oh, I could have done so much better. I could have done this. I could have done that. And she didn't get a salary increase. Um, so, because she was focusing on that perfection, that gap that we were talking about yep. earlier and seeing that she could grow, hopefully that's changing because I think that whole notion of continually growing is so important in our workplaces. But yeah, we handle it very differently. Women tend to pull back. Men tend to have a fear of failure. Women tend to have a fear of failure and a fear of success. 
because if they're successful, they've got so much on the line in other areas of their lives. And I am grossly generalising, but they've got kids, they've got you know partners, they've got um, you know, parents, they've got uh, friends, they've got all these other um, roles that they play. And if they are successful, more might be demanded of them. And so then what will suffer? Their relationship with their kids, their relationship with other people, their balance of life, those kinds of things. So it's, it's a different approach but the imposter syndrome, interestingly enough, um, has been proven to be equally impactful in terms of the numbers of people who experience it. So it's about 70% of people experience it at some stage mm. and about 33% of it uh, have it chronically. It's like a pair of glasses that they look at the world through. Interesting. So, and, yeah. and do you think that a lot of people, going back to the you know self-reflection, do a lot of people actually not even realise that they've got it? Well, it's a very good question because they don't realise there's a name for it. They think it's just them. So one of the most liberating things that people can recognise is that it's a common situation and it's not just them. Uh, it also happens when we allow other people around us to define who we are and how valuable we are. Mm. So we, we put more emphasis on other people's opinions of us than we do on our own. So we haven't got that core strength, that core um, identity, if you like, because we're letting letting other people have an undue influence on us. So so um, I think that it's, it's very much around recognising that it is a common situation and that there is a path through it, but it's not an instant fix. It's, you can't put a Band-Aid on it which, you know, three tips to do this and five ways to do that um, are great at addressing the immediate problem, uh, but not necessarily the long-term problem because it comes back because it's situational. So I might be tracking along feeling incredibly confident and then something happens that causes a sense of personal uncertainty and then I go fall down in a heap. Um, I've done presentations where, um, like when I first started talking about this, I was talking to a group of very senior women in their own businesses. They'd come out of the corporate world and, uh, and there was a psychologist in the audience and I was partway through explaining the imposter syndrome and she kind of threw her hand in the air and almost yelled at me and said, I want to know, is this something that everybody... And she calmed down as she continued the question. <laughs> but I was standing on the stage go, abba, 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 mm. <laughs> doing my best Elma Fudd imitation because she just triggered me so badly. And I was so confident before that. Fortunately, I got I, I sort of stood there, what felt like ages, and I was told it was only a very short time. And then I started laughing and I said, oh my goodness, I've just given you the best demonstration of the imposter syndrome ever and continued on. But it just hit me out of the blue. So, and that's what happens. Yeah. I know that there'll be people listening going, hang on, this is me. Yeah. <laughs> we do need to take a quick break, but I'm interested in coming back and talking a little bit more about what can we do about this. Okay, cool. We'll be back after this. We're here talking to Suzanne Mercier about imposter syndrome. I put a thing on my Instagram, and I don't have very many Instagram followers. Well, everyone needs to go and <laughs> follow you, and follow don't me. They? But that's fine. Uh, I, you know, I'm getting there. And she uh, blamed me the other day for being addicted to it. I said, I'm pretty sure that's Instagram, not me. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> um, but we do have a we do have one for our podcast. So if you're not following that, please go and have a look. But I put a a, a thing about imposter syndrome on there, and. It went like crazy, you know. I had all these people contact me going, oh, yeah, that's so true. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe that. But then we put a call out to ask for people to talk about it. Yeah, and we had one person. And no one wanted to talk oh, about actually, it. actually, no. Oh. We got three of my friends. My friends were happy to come and talk but, about but it. But when I put, we put it out mm, there yeah. and we put it on, on social media and there's all these people resonating, but when we specifically asked them to come on and talk about it, they were like, oh, no, I don't <laughs> Yeah, going public <laughs> is tough. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I mean, I think yeah. we've all probably experienced this 
to some degree. Well, I think your example before the break yes. where you said that you got up to speak in front of a, a, a group of people and you felt confident, but then as soon as you realised there was a person in the audience who potentially had more experience of it or yep. pointed, yep. pointed it exactly. out, mm. it, it's like the floor opens mm. and swallows you yes. until you can go, actually, no, what I have to say is is valid and they've come to listen, which is the other exactly thing. that's exactly how I explained it because I, I said to her, as I explained it, I said to her, you know, you've got the psychology background, that's great. I don't pretend to have that. I come from a personal experience and a business background. So, yeah, thank you. And we just moved on. So, yeah, she definitely was um, her qualified. And, and actually what I found out later was I tracked it back and I thought about it and I thought, why did that bother me so much? And I realised that I believed somebody with qualifications had more right to speak than I did. So there's a belief that underlies the whole thing, you know, and, and it's different for all of us because we've all got different backgrounds and different uh, experiences and different decisions that we've made through our lives that have led us to be sensitive in some areas more than others. Oh, I wish we didn't have it. Anyway, it's really good to talk about. <laughs> oh, but everything has a positive. <laughs> so let's talk about that then. How could we use it to our advantage? Well, I've heard that we're, we're much more sensitive to um, to other people. We recognise, I think, I think it makes us more compassionate to other people because mm-hmm. we know how we feel mm-hmm. when we recognise it's not just just us who experience it. I think it makes us try harder. It depends. Some people pull back, but other people find it motivating. I'm going to I'm going to push through this, and I'm going to deliver what I want to deliver. I think that um, certainly for me, the path has been one of uh, of really reconnecting with who I am and and getting a sense that I'm actually pretty good, like everybody else. You know, we're all pretty amazing, and that it's not a statement of arrogance. It's just a statement statement of self acceptance, which is so important. Uh, and recognising that I have strengths, and I don't know about anybody who's listening or you, ladies, um, but I was told when I was young, you don't boast, you don't tell people oh, how yes. good you are at things. So that then makes it very difficult for us to say, I'm really good at this. And, mm. and it doesn't mean that somebody else isn't good at it as well or somebody else doesn't have their own uh, amazing strengths. It's just we have to claim ourselves back and, and see the value that we bring. Yeah, I so agree with that. And I think mm. many of us, you know, of our generation, mm. we're told don't skite, don't gloat, mm. you know. But also wait for other people's approval or opportunities yes. that come your way. Don't create your own. Like that's, oh, I no. mean, not you. Nat, Nat doesn't apply to that. But that, that <laughs> helps yeah. me. You always find your own opportunities, which I love <laughs> about you. And it has inspired me knowing you over the last four or five years because until I met you pretty much, I was on that train of you wait until an opportunity comes along and then you put your hand up and you say, I want to go on that train. And if you miss out, well, then you just have to wait for no, the No, you next just one. go and create your own train. Exactly. Look, I, <laughs> I think you're right. absolutely right. But for many people who are listening, certainly for me, my career was one of people moving me um, and um, in different situations, seeing seeing talent in me that I didn't see and saying, Suzanne, we'd like you to do this. We'd like you to do that. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, and so then I wound up you know, in advertising at the um, at the senior level that I was at. And I thought, how on earth did I get here? Because <laughs> it hadn't been, hadn't been a conscious choice any of the way along, but I've certainly changed that since then. But <laughs> yeah, I think that happens though. And, and again, yeah. it's not stopping to actually look at all the achievements that that's, that's exactly how we right. that's how that happens. That's how we get from A to B and go. How the One heck did I get time. here? Yeah. And it's not until you turn around and go, "Well, I just ticked all of those boxes to get here." Mm. And I and I fell well, over quite a few times too. <laughs> yeah, and that's great because you got back up again. But one of one of the challenges with um, the imposter syndrome because we don't think that we're responsible for our own success. 
it makes it very difficult for us to create that foundation that we can grow from. So, you know, you see pictures of the of the comfort zone and, and you know, the excitement or the fear is at the edge of the comfort zone and the magic happens beyond. We expand our comfort zone by um, by stepping up and, and, and experiencing something for the first time and then it has a halo effect if we can accept that we had something to do with that. But if we don't see that we had anything to do with it, we don't we don't get that, that benefit. We're still sort of right on that edge and feeling really uncomfortable. So we've got nothing to, to build with. So do you have any tools as to how you can help yes. us to, to recognise that? <laughs> yes, I do. I do. The first thing um, is there are things that we can do in the moment because when we're triggered, it is important to be able to get out of that situation. Mm. So um, depending on what the situation is, um, uh, if you know you're going into a difficult situation ahead of time, I really recommend looking at Amy Cuddy's work on body language and the power of body language because um, she's proven that if you stand in power poses for a period of time, then what happens is it changes your physiology. So Ooh. that's a great one to do. Yeah, That was me last Friday when I walked into the studio yeah, and like... you said, oh, you look nice. I said, I'm power dressing. You, she Good. was. She had a yes, big day absolutely. ahead. I had, a, yeah. had the whole kit going on. So we're doing yep. a bit of superhero action. Yes, Wonder, Wonder Woman, I call Wonder it. I got Woman. My, I are we doing my... it in the mirror or are we doing it to someone? It's not important that anybody else watches. You can do it to somebody if you want. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but um, I, yeah. I do it by myself. Maybe not. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. Going. No, I'm I like that. So, yep. so it's just the Wonder Woman, you know, taking up more space because a lot of women don't take up space. So it's about saying I'm strong. I can stand in my power. That's it. Chest We're out, just doing it. All back. of us are doing it right now. Excellent. We can yeah. see each other and yeah. Absolutely. We're really doing this. Yeah, we're doing it. So so the other thing is, uh, I think I mentioned that when you feel fear, our brain doesn't know the difference between fear and excitement. So it, it's what we say to ourselves when we have that feeling. So um, walking here, trying to find my way here, it's like, oh gosh, I hope I'm not going to be late. And I, and I suddenly got, oh, that, that thought, oh, how exciting. This is going to be fabulous. So you just, you can flip that feeling really quickly. Uh, And that then becomes motivating rather than, um, you know, sort of bringing you down and making it more challenging for you to do what you need to do. That's a good one. Yeah, those are two that you can do immediately. Essentially, the longer trip, the longer journey, for want of a better word, I know it's overused, is, is basically getting in touch with how I've set my mindset up and basically looking at what works for me, what doesn't work for me. Because the whole thing about mindset, which is all about the values that we have, the beliefs that we hold, the expectations, those kinds of things, as you know very well. Um, it's about looking at what supports me because a belief is a belief. Is it true? I don't know. Um, it's what I believe and does it work for me and does it work for the people around me and what I'm trying to achieve? Uh, so it's looking at which which of the elements of our mindset supports us and what stands in our way and then doing something about what stands in the way. I alluded to one of the things that we can do, which is really to go back and see what is it that I do really well? And if we feel that that sort of um, that feeling of not wanting to skite, then it's about finding somebody whose opinion you would normally trust. So somebody who, if they said the sky is is green, you'd at least have a look. You know what I mean? So not your <laughs> mum because your mum loves you and she'll tell you and you'll dismiss it because of that. Uh, oh, I'm generalising, oh, but yes, that, that yes. seems to be typical because yeah, yeah. mums mum have to tell you you're fabulous. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, this person who says the sky is green doesn't have to tell you you're fabulous. And so that person will tell you the truth, but it's their truth. So then you hear what they think you're good at and then you can decide if that's true or not. Does that feel right? Does that resonate? Mm-hmm. So um, the other thing is tapping into our emotions and, and getting a sense of... Um, 
of what's working for us and what's not working for us. Some of the experiences that I've had with clients have said suggested that they they compare themselves too much to other people, mm. uh, and they're comparing their insides to somebody else's very carefully crafted outside. Uh, so that's not really a fair comparison, if you know what I mean, because they're probably feeling the same way inside as well. Um, another one is boundaries, what's okay with me and what's not okay with me. And sometimes when we've been brought up to be pleasers, uh, you know, and, and a lot of women are because we fulfill so many different functions, then it's, um, you know, it's about where, where did I get lost in that or where am I in that? What feels okay with me and what doesn't feel okay with me to try and recognise where those boundaries are. Because if we don't have boundaries, we have defences. And, and, you know, then we push back and we have that conflict that can come up from somebody unintentionally, um, you know, intruding further than they should have in terms of the, the way that they speak. That's a really interesting one. Interesting. Yeah, I, I encounter that with other people who are coaches as well. You know, uh, coaches will coach each other without permission. Oh, funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not. <laughs> I learned a very long time ago to not give advice unless it's yes. asked. Yeah, I, truly. Yeah. A lot of people haven't learnt that. No, no, but I learned that a very long time ago. You know, back in the day when I first started practising, I would say, oh, you could try this all year now. I would never. That's, yeah. No. It's, it's not respectful. I'm sure it's not intended that way, but no. it's not respectful. You, know, well, you can see somebody if... else's blind spot and it's like, I can see what you could do. I can yeah. see. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Were there so any, the, other, any, yes. any other tips? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think positive psychology has a lot that can add um, to this for us as well. So if we can create, because the whole thing is about resilience and resourcefulness and understanding that if we go through a dip, we're going to come out the other side, you know, so it's, it's about how do we handle things that come at us. Uh, and, and the thing about the imposter syndrome is that it causes a lot of stress and anxiety, um, which is, you know, a, a personal thing as well. So what, what can happen is if we actually learn to build that, um, that optimism. So I tell, you know, clients to actually look for the silver lining. Any situation, given a little bit of time, you can find something positive out of it. I mean, the extreme is that you speak to somebody who's had cancer and they say it was the best thing that ever happened to them and you look at them and think, are you mad? Um, but of course, they're not talking about the cancer. They're talking about the watershed moment that the cancer created. Um, so, you know, big things and little things, you know, um, I'm running late, but some I'm, I'm running to somebody I haven't seen for a while. So, you know, there's all these serendipitous things that we, if we're starting to look for um, the, the positive, then we'll find it because we get more of what we focus on. And if we can start focusing on the positive more and, and look at focus on how it makes us feel too, because I don't know about you, but when I see something that's that's wondrous and I just look at it, and it can be just a, 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 a child smiling at me or a, a bird, or it doesn't even matter what it is, a rainbow on the way to work this morning. Um, and you look at it and you think, oh my goodness, that's just so amazing. And it takes you to a totally different space and there's no room for negativity in that space. So that's wonderful. Gratitude is the other one, which we all talk about. And there's so much research now around gratitude and the impact that it has rewiring our neurology. Uh, and there is a, um, a wonderful woman who um, treated depression through gratitude. And her website, can I say it, is, is 365 Grateful. She, she was given, she was a photographer and she was given um, the advice to, um, to record gratitude every day and she did it through pictures. Oh, wonderful. And it made a difference to her family. She got over the depression. She realised how amazing her husband was and her family was. It just placed her in a totally different space. So gratitude is so powerful. And, and the other thing, I guess, is, um, is really just recognising that, um, that you have the resources. So, so thinking that you've got through times before that have been difficult, give yourself a bit of distance, you know, step back and, and don't take it personally, look at the information and just see what it's, what it's saying to you and what you can learn from the situation as well and then let it go. Mm. 
So that's a real whistle-stop tour through it. Sorry. No, (laughs) I think that's excellent. I love tangible Mm. things that we can start to action as of now. I think that becomes really useful. Totally. The um, the gratitude thing and the stop and smell the roses. Oh, I think so that powerful. it's so powerful because when mm, you but actually we don't do it. No, but I had an experience the other day. My kids were at their swimming lesson and they, you know, it's half an hour. I have to sit there and watch them swim. That's all great. Excellent. It's fun being a mum sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, you know what? I'm not going to play on my phone or anything. I'm going to watch them swim, but I'm going to put on a meditation app while I do it because otherwise I'll want to scroll through Instagram or something because I'm addicted <laughs> to that. So I put it on and I sat there listening and I just watched the kids swimming. Mm. And all of a sudden I started watching the shimmering of the water mm. and I was like, I have never noticed that that has such a beautiful light and movement mm. in this ugly pool in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> like, you know. But I just thought... I would never have have noticed that beautiful thing yeah. if I hadn't have consciously said, okay, let's just switch off from everything let's else be and present. see what we find. Yeah. yeah. I think it's called positive presence. It, it just It's just so amazing. and It opens your heart and when it opens your heart, anything's possible. Mm, absolutely. So, you know, certainly um, there's no room for the imposter syndrome when you have that space. Yes, yes I know. Very California. <laughs> We're doing little heart symbols. Yes, thank you for <laughs> letting everybody know what you two are getting up to because <laughs> I love it. they can't see you. Um, I think that we are almost out of time and this has been... Excellent. Mm. And I know that a lot of our listeners are going to want to find out more. Where can they learn a bit more about you or connect with you? Okay. Yeah. I've got a website that's got stacks of free information on it. It's called imposterhood.com. That's I-M-P-O-S-T-E-R-H-O-O-D because sometimes it's spelled with an O-R. So imposterhood.com. There is, there's questionnaires that you can have a look at. There's um, information and all sorts of things. So you just click on those and you can get them. If you want, uh, there's a free um, ebook there on Say Goodbye to the Imposter Syndrome, which is actually taking some of those tools and looking at what you can do to move past them. So anything. And if they ever want to reach out, I'm always happy to have a conversation. So I think it's, um, it's so important that we all realise that we are pretty amazing, all of it. Every single one of us has something remarkable. And, and just the imposter syndrome gets in the way of us seeing it. So, yeah, whatever I I can do to help. I'd be delighted. Amazing. Thank you so much for talking to us Thank today. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. It was lovely to be here. Thank you so much. Oh. Take care, Nat. Thanks, Cecily. Thank Cecilia. You. Cecilia. Cecilia. Yeah, sorry. Oh. I beg your pardon. Sorry. Do you know what? I've had a whole life of that. Don't worry about it. Oh, that. have you? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my whole life has been about people getting my name wrong. Oh. And in fact, the other day, I thought, you know, when you order a coffee and they say, what's your name? I said, I'm just going to say Dave from now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hello. Because it's tell just me you said that. too hard. Dave. Dave. Yep. It's what I'm, name? Dave. I'm Dave for yeah. a coffee. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you were saying at the beginning, Mm. and we have to thank her because that was awesome, by the way, um, you know, that if someone is going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you're not good enough or you're not doing it right, my true thought to that was what the frigging hell would they know? (laughs) You were were saying that and I was like... Well, what? why would they just say that? <laughs> You're like the anti-imposter syndrome. So I, know, I'm glad I just want to share that because that's something. where my mind went. It doesn't mean that at times I've felt inadequate. And is that the same thing? Or is it because you're worried about someone else's judgment? I think it's probably an element of that. Uh, and, and also maybe it is about the conditioning, as Suzanne talked about, that, you know, you've grown up thinking that you need other people's approval to um, consolidate where you are and what you've done, you know, uh, rather than just being confident in yourself that you know you've done the work and I you think, know you can, you, you're capable of it. I think maybe also the space that I reside in with work and whatever, mm. there's not really anyone else that's ever 
done it or is oh, doing it. So th- therefore I'm like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing and I no one else does. So <laughs> you are. <laughs> we could say this, but I'd be like, me, I don't know if you're right about that and I don't know if you're wrong either. We're just going to well, keep on winging see. it and just pretend. I love you, Cringudis. Maybe I have pretend syndrome. <laughs> She's just pretending it's you all make fine. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, it just goes to show that we're all a little bit different, aren't we? Absolutely, mm-hmm. which is great. But I do think that this is another one of those situations where honesty is the best policy. And next episode, we're going to bring you some stories from some friends of ours who reached out when we talked about imposter syndrome to, to talk about their personal experience with it as well. So you will find out that there are other people out there that are well, going around doing this. That's the ones that wanted to participate. Like I said, people were like, no, I actually don't want to talk about it. Well, fair like, enough. I know, but I would encourage people to talk about it because that's how we grow. My favourite um, little meme about this that I found on Instagram was an, an embroidery hoop that someone had embroidered the words, give me the confidence of a mediocre white man. No offence to our mediocre white men. That, oh, we don't know any mediocre white men. I don't know anyone don't know. that's mediocre. Exactly. What are you talking about? No, they're, they're all awesome. Those other people. Hey, um, some great things to take away from today's episode. Mainly, go out there and be Wonder Woman. Stick your hands on your, on hips. your hips. Spread those legs out, ladies. Puff your chest out. Make yourself have a nice big chest. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Spread your legs and get your chest out. Okay. That's weird. Um... Be Wonder Woman. <laughs> oh Until <goodness>. next time, <laughs> we hope this episode has left you feeling happier, healthier, and, and better. Definitely better. Mm-hmm.